It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined right now by the author of Greedy Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much. Jen Winston is here to talk about the very best of people, bisexuals. Jen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm hoping that streams of Ariana Grande's Greedy go up as my book. Oh, yeah, that's because a lot of people have been sharing it. Yeah. I like that. Oh, I a lot. love that. No, you're, and Jess, I have to concur. You bisexuals are the best kind of people. I'm envious. It's true. Yep. As a feminist I, who I likes, obviously, a feminist who likes well. cis men. I find I I uh, I often find myself in a position where I am sad about this fact. Um, sexual orientation so, is not a yes. choice. Straight straight women show us every day that sexual orientation is not a choice. You're just born that way. It's not your fault. It's just how it is. Absolutely. A lot of my book is about me being very sad about my attraction to men, which as a bisexual, it's a part of my attraction still, and so. I understand. I feel I feel your pain. Yeah. Okay. I have like a thousand questions to start because honestly, we don't talk about bisexuality nearly enough when we talk about queerness and queer rights and considering how many of us there are. Mm -hmm. um, we ought to do more of that. So I guess I want to ask you, where do you want to start? Like where you you wanted to have this conversation about bisexuality and what it means. Like, what was the impetus for that? And like, what do you think is the most important thing that we're all missing by erasing the hell out of bisexual people all the time? Yeah, well, I mean... I can I can tell a little bit about my journey and like how I came yeah. to write this book and why, because um, I think it kind of sums that up. <clears throat> um, so before I came out as bisexual, I came out as bisexual in 2019, which is like pretty recent. Oh, but welcome. <laughs> thank you. Um, yes. And also Here's your toaster. It's, great, it's great that you open the show by saying like we're the best kind of people, because otherwise I would not likely know that you were bisexual. Like it's it's this very weird thing I mean I guess all types of LGBTQ plus identity you kind of have to like say them you can't really mm -hmm. communicate you can kind of communicate some through the way you dress just mm -hmm. based on like stereotypes but with bisexuality there's not really any like immediate you know nod that you can have with another bisexual especially on on the radio <laughs> um it's that true. like lets you know mm -hmm. that someone is bi so that's I mean I have this I mean, I, I have given myself this reputation that I don't know if other people are putting on me, but I'm putting it on me that all I do is talk about bisexuality right now. I mean, I am promoting <laughs> a book, but I I feel like it kind of aligns with the the Internet's reputation of, of vegans, you know, of like, I won't stop mm -hmm. anything you ask me. I'm like, I'm bisexual. Um, so <laughs> that is really my dynamic right now. But before before I came out. I was just really, I mean, the thing that really like stopped me from coming out was my relationship to the word bisexuality. I wanted, I wanted to be one of those people who like didn't like labels or, you know, could just call myself queer. Right. Um, but I, I needed something that kind of pushed me more to start mm -hmm. dating other genders. Um, and two of the stereotypes that really held me back was the first one was the assumption that everyone is bisexual. 
mm-hmm. um, which a, a lot of people still say to me when I tell them I'm writing a book about bisexuality. And I think it just kind of, it has this effect of being like, if everyone is something, no one is something. And it means right. you don't have to talk about it. It's another tactic of bi erasure, essentially. But it took me a really long time to learn that. And it made me think like, oh, this thing that I feel is like not a big deal. So I'm just gonna not talk about it. And then I just, I felt like I was in the closet my whole life, but it, it didn't feel like the way they described the closet t- typically for lesbian and gay people. Um, right. And then- Well, you yeah. don't have to, you don't have to lie. You just have to omit. I, I always mm-hmm. say that bisexuality mm-hmm. is yes. like, you have to you have to come out all the time as bi. Mm-hmm. If you're in a relationship with a woman, you have to come out as bisexual. If you're in a relationship with a man, you have to come out mm-hmm. as bisexual. Like there's, my life is like, I came out when I was 15. I am still coming out. Mm-hmm. Like I'm 40. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Congrats to you for coming out at 15 as bi though. Thanks. That's like very, because it, it is, you know, they talk about, I mean, National Coming Out Day is on Monday and they talk about, uh, how coming out is, is a journey and you have to do it over and over again. Um, whether that's like constant. finding, yeah, yeah, constant, but especially with these invisible identities like bisexuality. And I have actually found the way to be, to date someone who affirms my bisexuality. Um, although for a while that made me super uncomfortable and I was like, oh God, I hope I'm not using my partner. Um, but my partner is trans non-binary and um, they, I mean, they identify as like all genders, no gender, et cetera. Um, and that was another thing that really stopped me from wanting to come out as bisexual is I had just learned a lot about uh, the expansiveness of the gender binary. And I was like, oh God, but this word bi, it means two. I have this problem too. Yeah. And so I was like, how can I be bisexual when I don't yeah. believe in a gender binary? But pansexual just sounds too silly to me. I don't know. I can't do it. it. And well, and it didn't hit me right either. And I like respect to all pan people because like, honestly, just respect to whatever label like gives you pride and helps you understand yourself. Um, but I that was really the thing that like tipped me off into looking into like bi theory, which is a thing. Um, and I, I started Googling like furiously is bisexuality binary, like, and I didn't understand how that could make sense, especially if non-binary people can like look any type of way, you know, you don't have to look androgynous to be non-binary. And I found all these amazing theorists who had essentially like a lot of them were genderqueer and, uh, trans across the gender spectrum. And they had all like written papers on the fact that bisexuality's roots and history had never been uh, about like reinforcing that there were two genders. In fact, there was a a manifesto written by a a bisexual magazine in the 90s called Anything That Moves, which is a great title. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's so good. And um, in that manifesto, they say, uh, don't assume that bi people are only attracted to one of two genders. In fact, don't even assume that there are only two genders. Um, so they kind of reinforced that. I think I might've butchered it. that quote, but yeah. So that made me feel a lot more comfortable. And I think um, a lot of people now define bisexuality as being attracted to more than one gender. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how I identify with it. But my partner is non-binary or trans non-binary and they 
uh, identify as bisexual too. And I now also am starting to get comfortable identifying as non-binary. And people are always Me like- Me too. Look Yay. at this. High five. Yay. Well, actually, <laughs> it's awesome that you say that because that is actually a journey I've been noticing a lot among bi people. And I think it's because, yeah, okay, you, you've seen it? Yes. And I, and it, it, I know that gender expression is not the same as sexual orientation. They don't have to have anything in common. So I've been sort of conflicted about how to approach it. Like the fact that a lot of my bisexual friends are just in the last couple of years, myself included, starting to understand themselves as non-binary. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying in my 40 year old brain to decouple gender expression from sexual orientation, because that's like an implicit bias that I have that if somebody, mm-hmm. you know, if, if a woman presents as masculine, I'm going to assume something about her sexual orientation that I really shouldn't be assuming at all. Mm-hmm. So I get that. But on the other hand, I know a lot of bisexuals who are now non-binary and I'm having a hard time decoupling mm-hmm. that. So, so ed- educate me a little bit here. Well, first off, I'm jealous that you know a lot of bisexuals. Cause I, I mean, now <laughs> I do, now I do, but I like, it, it took me, I knew like two basically my whole life. And they were wow. and both of them and myself were all always like, well, I'm bisexual, but like, not really, you know, we always did that. <laughs> right. So um, I'm, I'm very jealous. Um, but <laughs> But I'm also relieved to see that that's kind of the arc. And I think it has to do with the fact that uh, learning and getting comfortable with bisexuality is really about getting comfortable in a state of flux and like being there, you know, being not on either side. It's essentially about not not conforming to the binary of monosexism, which is a system of oppression that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, someone who does all the time, whose work I try to plug all the time because their work is amazing, is Shiri Eisner, who's a bi theorist. So just plugging that. But um, bi people have to sit comfortably in this space, this middle ground. And we that's kind of a tool in our think, in the way that we think. And so then we can apply that to gender as well. So one of the things I've been thinking in this conversation is how to have it with somebody who's new to it. Because I think we, you know, like this conversation for, for single boost listeners, like they're, they're with us because I feel like Jess, mm-hmm. Jess and I have had similar conversations with guests and with each other in the past. And we're, we're kind of always talking about all of these different identities, these labels, what they mean, the intersections, all of that. But like, I do find when I have to talk to somebody in Gen X, <clears throat> or if I have to talk to a parent or an mm-hmm. aunt or something, about any of this, even I'm struggling with language, how to describe mm-hmm. it, how to make sure that I am explaining it in a way that is accurate. Um, because I am, because I am not, um, this is not my identity, but I am trying to explain it to somebody of a different generation that like, just doesn't have the dexterity, so to speak. Um, you know, and I, I remember it coming up during like the first season, no, I think it was the second season of Billions, um, you know, the, the idea of what a, what a non-binary person is, um, mm-hmm. with both of my parents separately, they were like, can you, I just, Taylor is, can you like explain? Um, and so I, I love those moments because it gives you an opportunity to like open up these conversations. How do you have them though, with people who are like new to any conversation yeah. on, on these types of issues in the first place? I mean, I'm, well, I'm actually really glad you asked me that because I do that all the time for one because I'm from the Midwest 
And two, just because I like to do that. And also my parents, their billions was their first exposure to non-binary identity. Huh. And I, I wonder how I many people can... that's true for. That has to be I, true oh for my like God, so many a lot I'm of sure. people. And it's been really, I think it's been really helpful in like their understanding of my partner and like their use of my partner's pronouns. Like I, I really do think that representation helped a lot. Um, but I, I think, so personally, uh, I, I wrote my book. Uh, it's kind of structured in this arc of like, as I'm kind of understanding my bisexuality, I'm also going through just a lot of unlearning across the board. Um, and I wanted to make it very clear that there are certain truths that I know now um, about all types of social issues that I did not know growing up, uh, that I did not like come out of the womb, like protest sign in hand, you know? And I think we have a tendency to like act like we've always known these things, especially when we're talking to people who don't know them yet. And so there's yeah. always this, like, yeah, there's so much condescension in that conversation. And I found with my parents, what's worked the best is when I share my own vulnerabilities. Yes. And like, yes. it, like every time that I learn something, I tell the story of my unlearning to my mom. And I mean, it's a slow process, but it requires me to like, you know, be a bit self-effacing and like all, but it, but it makes the space more open. Cause I think we, we have a tendency, especially like the internet makes us this way to, to like act like we have, now that we have new information, we are like, you know, we're right. on a holier plane <laughs> than others. And it's just, it's, it's ridiculous because like before you saw that meme, maybe you didn't know that that was the right way to talk about something. So just like recognizing that that's a process, I think really makes it more, more vulnerable. Yeah. Oh, no, the I mean, memes help are... though. I'm curious about that. Wait, what'd you say? I, the I memes? Wanna... memes? The memes help sometimes. Totally. Totally. I mean, I used I'm to a make a lot of memes <laughs> like that. Um, and, there, and I talk about this a bit in my book. That was a big part of my life for a while. Um, just cause, and I was, I was sort of like thrust into a social justice space on the internet because I had created a, an Instagram to post things about Trump that made me upset in 2016. <laughs> and then at the women's March in 2017, my Instagram kind of blew up because I was posting all these funny signs, which was like a novel idea in 2017. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I realized like m my Instagram had gotten pretty big and someone at the March like asked me what the term intersectional meant, like a friend. Oh, and I was like, oh, I think I know, but I like don't actually know. And so I, <laughs> I went home and like Googled it. And then I like talked about not knowing that and how uncomfortable I felt when my friend asked me. And I got a lot of response from people that was like, oh my God, thank you. I didn't know. And I felt so ashamed to admit it. And it was just, even in 2017, we'd already like curated this culture that was like, you have to know everything. And it, it's yeah. so easy to Google though. It's so easy to realize that you don't know something and then to just figure it out yourself. And, we and do it's, it, great. It's, yeah. it's great that you were brave and you admitted that you didn't know because that's gonna provide a, a, a path of, of acceptance for a lot of other people to do what you did. But like the internet is a great resource. You don't actually have yeah. to raise your hand and be like, hi, I'm totally. ignorant on this point. You can do it in the quiet of your own room. <laughs> and a lot of yeah. times at this point, Wikipedia will give you the definition and some sourcing. Yes. It's Wikipedia, like for a lot of these social justice issues now, because 
um, they're that mainstreamed that the the definitions yeah. on there are actually accurate. And I think it, that's important. And it's nobody is born woke. The whole right. idea. Yeah. And I hate that woke has become sort of a, a derogatory way to describe somebody who's trying not to be a shithead because it's all it really means. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I think that this, this idea of like waking up, seeing, you know, the world through a little bit of a different lens, dare I say an intersectional one, understanding that identities intersect, you can be queer, you can be black and you can be disabled you can be all the you know and muslim you can you know there, there are all kinds of things um and and a lot of these things are fluid um as well or um exist on a spectrum um and it's it's complicated like it is not actually simple so if you are not finding yourself googling often i don't know what people are doing i feel like you should be googling they're being totally confused. yeah, yeah. Being i mean confused. And they're feeling bad that they're confused, and then they're just yeah. sitting in their confusion, and and progress <laughs> doesn't get made. I mean, yeah. I want to ask I, you about I, the oh, unlearning because you you mentioned mm -hmm. the unlearning once you've once you're sort of accepting your bisexual identity, and and I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that process. Like, what are some of the things that you realized you needed to be looking at through a different lens once you, once you came to terms with that part of your identity? Oh well. <clears throat> in terms of what I've had to unlearn, like literally everything, like I'm a cisgender, able-bodied, non-disabled, um, well, once identified as a woman, now not sure, um, like from an upper middle class background, I have like an immense amount of privilege. And I didn't ever really like reflect on that until I started kind of, you know, posting about Sign, protest signs on the internet and <laughs> i'm really grateful that i that i went through that and totally agree google is free um and also like if you're learning regularly from someone on the internet like pay them especially if it's if yes. it's a marginalized person um because like i i also had the privilege of time where i worked a, a full-time job the entire time my st i still work a full-time job i'm on like pto right now <laughs> to promote my book but um nice. You know, I've I've had a separate job to my like Instagram and to like my personal work for the entirety of, of me doing it. And so, um, yeah, that I, I think that's like cannot be understated. Like I had such a privilege to be able to even write this book about bisexuality on the nights and weekends. Um, but in terms of bisexuality, I think the the after I'd done all this kind of social justice unlearning, and then I started like unlearning more about bisexuality, I really realized that bisexuality is a lens to look at the world that really aligns with all of the unlearning that I had done. Um, like, for example, I always thought that I needed to be the opposite of all bi stereotypes in order to be like a good bisexual, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, the stereotype of greedy is the most obvious and the title of my book. But um, it's also, you know, I, I thought that was such a bad thing because it was like promiscuity. But I was like sleeping with so many men at the time. And like, you know, I, I didn't even really know that I was for whether I was sure I was bisexual. Like that had nothing to do with me being promiscuous. It was just right. like that was a whole different system. And so I think a lot of times people take systems that they're afraid of, like monogamy, even, for example, and they equate it with bisexuality and bisexuality becomes the scapegoat is something that Sherry Eisner says a lot, which I really like. Um, that is good. And 
Yeah. So like our issue is with with monogamy, not bisexuality, but we take it up with bisexuality Mm -hmm. instead. And the same thing. Yeah. And the same thing I think happens with confusion. And that's been if if confusion were a catchier title, that's probably what I would have named my book, because (laughs) for me, that's been the most like liberating component of bisexuality, because confusion gets this bad rap obviously like it does not sound like a thing you want to be even we even just described um people who aren't quote-unquote woke as that yeah but like as a confused bisexual what it really means is that you're being very intentional about the way that you're living because you're not falling into any boxes that society has you know created or put there for you uh, whether it is, I mean, you might be falling into some still, but you're not falling oh, into sure. the boxes of, of gay or straight. And that does, like I said, give you a different tool to think about the world. And it can really inform your the way you approach conversations about gender, about race, about ability, you know, all, all these different conversations. Um, and so yeah, I think un- unlearning ab- about these stereotypes was really groundbreaking for me in terms of a way to like package my unlearning because I I was shocked that m- this identity that I'd always felt like was a sexual identity for me actually so aligned with my political values yes. and approach. No, this is this is honestly this is really exciting and really revelatory and I'm very grateful that you have written this book and I'm very Aww. excited to read Yay. it and then buy it for all of my friends so they stop asking me whether I'm capable of a monogamous relationship <laughs> even though I like men and women. Like just stop doing that, okay? Yeah. It's like it's like you can like tall guys and short guys. If you marry a short guy, you're not going to pining for tall guys forever, mm-hmm. right? Okay, same dip. Anyway, apparently also a stat <laughs> a stat for you to keep in your back pocket is that 8% of bisexual women are in monogamous relationships. I know you mentioned- Look at that. Non-identified oh. as non-binary, so it might not be relevant, but- 80%, still, still. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it, I, you know what? That stat is relevant to me. I'm taking it. I am using it. It's Jen a, Winston, yeah. thank you so much for joining us this morning. Please come back anytime. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Thanks Stay so safe. much for having me. Good luck with the rest of your publication tour. The book is Greedy, Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.